Welcome back to Rising Giants. The following is a conversation with Sepak Cheng. He's the founder of Reen Taught and host of the most popular Cambodia podcast, Reen Podcast. Having hosted many of the top influences in the country across music, film, gaming, sport, etc. Reen Taught channel started out in 2014 as the first free photography and video tutorials in Khmer language, but since then has grown to close to 500,000 YouTube subscribers with a wide array of content. Okay. Yeah. All right. So are you ready? Ready. Whenever. Yeah, we're not. We're not gonna like. Um, we're not gonna make it too uh, too serious. No. Don't worry about it. I I'm all good. Yeah. yeah. I I I feel like I'm. I, I am also like needed a session where I can just talk because in the past couple of days I've been questioning what I should do next. Okay. And also like you know like I need. I, I need certain things and then I look around, I have everything's already and I don't know, like, you know, the problem, the dilemma of creator is that like when you need gears to do your mm. things and then you work so hard to get the gears, you get the tools and then once you get the tool, then you're struggling with the ideas of what to do with it. Right. And then like some of the idea that I used to do it also, I feel like I've done a lot of things uh, like repeatedly mm -hmm. and so I'm trying to find something new. And when you're doing something new, you need to sort of like introduce that to the audience yeah, to make sure they accept it. That that's an interesting like that's an interesting topic to dive into because even looking at your channel, you've had done multiple like different channels within that, right? You've done gear reviews, you've done movie reviews, you've done yeah show reviews, you've done kind of the spectrum. So it's thinking about do you lean into something more of one of those or do you just create a completely new one? Like you, like for example, you just came out with the new AI video, right? Yeah. So that could be something. Yeah. Actually, uh, if you look back, like if it's, I would say the first three of my channels, I am quite consistent with the topic that I was doing, the themes, mm -hmm. like focusing on more with photography, gears, camera, but that was the time that I was building my identity. I think it's quite important for any creator to have that specific identity, that specific theme of what they're doing, and then people kind of understand who they really are. And then I, I reach a point where I realized that if I keep doing this again and again, I might get a little bit kind of like, you know, set back because I will run out of ideas because definitely I would not be able to generate new idea every day related to photography. So during my downtime, I try to do certain things that I like. So you start from that, like I ask myself what I like most or what I'm interested in and what is the thing that I would do without like pressuring myself to do it, right? So like the movie review was always there for me because I love watching film. And especially like I always advise my audience when they go to see like a movie or special blockbuster, like not just watching it for the sake of like saying it is a good film or rating it or anything. It's just like, you know, there's always things you can learn, especially like in photography, for example, like composition, lighting, framing. So those are my main message when I do a movie review. I do that a lot. Like I don't really review about how like good the, the film is shot on a certain camera or anything because that was not really my main concern. But my main concern is to what I learned from it as a photographer, right? So you still like still within my own boundary of what I'm most comfortable with, like photography. And then I do a lot of traveling as well before COVID because I get to travel for free quite some time and quite enjoying that because because I've been around. I, I left Cambodia since I was since 17, mm -hmm. 2005. Yes. And I lived abroad for about eight or nine years. So traveling was always a part of me. And 
like adapting to new culture and experiencing what the society is because uh, uh, what I believe is that like earlier before I came I came across a short a reel they said that there's a difference between tourist and traveler the tourists they just kind of like you know escape from their reality they go into new places but traveler they experience they experience the society they experience the place I am a traveler I'm not a tourist so even if I go with a tour company I would still doing like you know night market or going out on my own just spin off from the group get my own space to see what is the country is like you know talk to the people you know mostly you cannot go to a country without talking to locals i think that's a crime right so those things back to what i've done it's all like related to me personally and also i want this to be out there on my public channels so that my audience will understand who i really am and even like doing the podcast also was way back in 2008 when i was in college i often i have all the gears with me back then since i like making like random videos and talking alone because i was practicing khmer i have no khmer friends then and uh my college i was the only cambodian so for me to keep practicing it is either like jump into like yahoo messenger like you know back then it was the things yeah, yeah. we have like public room that we can talk to each other and then my roommate got annoyed so i need to find another way to do it so i i went to like you know a quiet place and i feel myself talking and just making content randomly yeah. and you know who knows those thing was the backbone of what i'm doing now because to talk alone to know what you want to say it's, it's not that easy i mean a lot of creator would just say hey you just need to script things of course you can script it you can have a structure but then how would you make sure that someone who's watching you understand what you're saying completely or can stand watching you while you're talking because you definitely you know like some creator they would have very good content but then people would not like how they talk not not love their voice or their accents or their tone that's also plays as an important role on how your video perform right so for me it was all of that like i did not lay out what i need to do to make sure people watch it it was just already there like intrinsically it's just a part of me like aware of how people would react to the content right and uh, so far from what i've done in the past i think this is the 9 year that i start doing it uh, consistently 6 year out of 9 but the first 3 year was off and on i'm pretty sure everyone went through this phase where they start doing it and they were like nah this is not for me you know and then they cannot see where they're going to go next and then they stop for a little while and they go find a job and then they <laughs> they got sick of their job they came back to their dream and then it didn't work out again and then go back and forth you know for three years it was that like off and on relationship right and then the the fourth year was a commitment when i really like gave up everything i left myself no choice to either do it or not going forward at all so and it got me wet to today yeah yeah i mean there's there's so much to unpack throughout that entire journey and i think just a great place to start is what were you doing before you were doing this uh you're working at Sabai if i'm not mistaken yeah, correct and small world as well right yeah i i'm a part of co-founder of small world i came back to cambodia because of the tea the tea uh, the tea told his good friend of mine uh well i'm mean, not a good friend it's like more a best friend because we, we we share a lot of things together and just like in the past 5 years we didn't get to hang out much he invited me to come back to start the how the co-working space slash entrepreneurship journey with him and you know without knowing what's going on i just took a leap of faith and i came back and 
yeah, we started together when actually I was lucky because when I came back, they already established their main office space. And then uh, what I did, I was just helping them with brandings and also like doing the PR stuff and, you know, be a part of the team and kind of sharing what I see like fit best with them because experience now from college, you know, fresh graduated, pretty much you quite like while, you know, I'm pretty sure a lot of people went through this as well. Like you feel like you know what you're doing, but you actually don't. <laughs> right. So that was, that was the first, the first two years was just like that. And then, yeah, after small world, like, econ- like economically for me, it was not healthy because I need to survive. I, I don't have family support to pay for my, my rent or anything, so I need to get a job. But Sabai was the, the third one, the third job after Small World. I partnered with a couple of friends. We opened a studio and photography studio. We were doing quite well. And just that at one point, we did not share the same kind of like, you know, vision for what we want to do next. So we, I sold the company to them. I left the company. Oh, and then I, I call uh, Sabai CEO, Monsila, do you have a job? <laughs> but actually, what's funny is that he actually asked me a year prior to I asked him. He asked me, like, do I need a job? I said, no. I was quite cocky back then. I'm pretty sure, like, the way I talk. Because, you know, like, you graduated from the U.S. with a degree. It was quite, uh, I'd say, for Cambodian back then, it, it was a big deal. Like, you can easily get a job anywhere you want. But now not anymore because the competition is quite big now. <laughs> yeah, but back then it was, it was, it was for me, it was like, you know, I don't need a job. I can do whatever I want. And yeah, I got a job at Sabai for four years, 2013 until 2017. I left full circle, like joined in July, left in July. So exactly four years. So I was working as Sabai TV. First, I started as the producer for one year and then. We expanded the team and then I got promoted to the department head. So I managed the whole video productions for, for them. We make TV show, we do like live and I got sent to like many big events in Korea, in Jakarta, like YouTube events, social media content events. That was, I think that was what we call it, the canon event, what's so like popular words now that I realized that I, I like making contents more than sitting in the office. So it was their fault that they're sending me abroad. <laughs> they didn't know, but I told them too when I came back. I told them that the con- digital content is going to take over, but that was in 2015, you know. They should have realized sooner, but maybe it was also my fault. That I did not manage to show them why is it important. But then it took me a lot of courage to make my own content to show that to them. But then it was too late because I already left the job. <laughs> so yeah, the four years at Sabai was for me, it was a learning process, a learning curve for uh, me to understand how the media here works and also make a lot of networks. But uh, luckily, I did not use those networks from work to build my own career because I feel like that's somewhat not fair for, for my workplace as well. And I don't want to have any bad blood with the company. So I just build everything from scratch, like completely fresh after I start doing content. But the foundation, actually, many things I learned from Sabai because of as a producer, you obviously know how to negotiate deal, sales, and find a spot, sponsorship, all these things. It, it helped me a lot progressing to the next step from what I'm doing. Yeah. What was it like working with Sila? And like, what did you learn from him like specifically as like one of the OG entrepreneurs in the country? Well, he, he has so many, I think he has so many advices for the youngster. But the thing that he constantly tell me, 
is that you don't need to be smart, you don't need to be outstanding, but you need to have these one things that can differentiate you from anyone, right? He uh, he used that word in English, he called it discipline. Discipline is quite important for someone who's working in, uh, like, especially in media company, because you need to make sure you get the work done on time, regardless of the quality, but that is your responsibility to finish the job, right? And also, like, what if you're lazy that day, you don't want to work? But you need to discipline yourself to get it done, to finish the job on time, to make sure that you do your best at your job, right? And the following line, he was saying that if you love something that much or you care about something that much, make sure that you think about it constantly or you're aware of it. Even you're in the bathroom or restroom, you would think about that things. That's how much you love the things. Then you, you should work on that. And, you know, without knowing that actually that works quite influence on how I perform as well. Like whenever I'm lazy, I remember what he said to me, like, you know, everyone is the same. They all have 24 hours a day, but it's up to you to make it different from, from the others, right? And, and if you have that, I'm pretty sure whatever you do, it's going to go somewhere. But it's, maybe it's not as soon as you expect it, but you will get there. So that was the things that he constantly tell me in, in like within that four-year time. I think he tell me at least once a month <laughs> because it's just stuck in my head all the time if you think about it. Yeah. He's quite, I would say he's quite a good, I, I wouldn't look at him as a boss because he was the CEO. So he, like back then he has so many companies. So like once in a while he would be in the company as well. And But the thing I like about him is that he always open to new ideas. He would allow you to share what you want to do and then let you try it first, right? And if it grows, then you continue. Which is good. And also sometimes when he wants to do something, he wants to do it now. Like he would not wait. He would not waste his time doing new things, which is quite good. But I, I felt like he went a little too fast than uh, the, the market trend, which is quite unfortunate, actually. If he's, if he's applying what he wanted to do back then and right now, it would work. But it just maybe he's not interested in it anymore. I don't know. I'm pretty sure he might be watching this. <laughs> I, I don't mind because yeah, nothing bad, you know. Huge respect to him. Yeah. Great. Can you also talk about like when you first started your channel, Serene Taught, like what was the, what was it like beginning, beginning that and like the actual, the pathway towards actually any form of monetization oh. on like, on let's say a YouTube channel. Like yeah. When, when you were, when you were going off in that direction, were a lot of people looking at you like you were crazy because of the, because of all the, you know. Yeah. Oh, but I mean, like, well, I mean, when I first started in 2014, it was more like a voiceover video because I was not comfortable being in front of the camera. Like, uh, I mean, I was, but not like in a way that showing it to many people. And, you know, like my colleague at work also were like, oh, you, you think you're cool? You're doing that? Friends would be like, what are you trying to do? Like, you want to be a movie star or something? You want to be a celebrity? Because back then, content creator didn't exist. The term was not like somewhat a job title you know so yeah it took me a while to train myself to like you know put put my face out there and then confront the public and you know when you start small the pressure was not that high like you would have like a hundred followers would just watch you and uh, that was it and you would probably never met them and of me trying to you know from nothing to be able to make revenue from the content because 
Cambodia just recently became a part of YouTube partner, like officially. So back then you have to trick the YouTube to think that you're in a different country in order to monetize. Yeah, yeah. But uh, luckily, uh, I have an account, like an Asian account, since I was in the US because I was also like trying to jump into the ship as well, like you know, doing the content stuff, but never understand how I wanted to do it or figure out the the method of uh, from point A to point B. So I just made it, and I had everything set it up already. And then, when I start my own Aryan Thought channel, I was lucky that to use that previous setup that I had, and I would just apply that to the current things that I have. I didn't make much because YouTube didn't pay well for Cambodia back then, and we don't have many local ads. Like I used to say this before, like if you want to, the local creator to be able to monetize or earn enough revenue from the platform, the local brand has to start advertising more, which is now it's happening. The CPM is quite high now; it's like two dollars. Yeah, I have two dollars CPM. Like one thousand views, you get two dollars if they watch your ads for a thousand times. But back then it was like zero zero point three cents. Uh, zero zero point three dollars, so like three cents. <laughs> like you would not survive. And YouTube, uh, that's YouTube. And uh, for Facebook, you cannot monetize anything from Facebook back then, until like you know after during COVID, right? They just applied that in stream ads and everything that allow some other country to do it. And also, Cambodia was not really a part of it until now. We never officially a part of the in stream ad program anyway. But yeah, so it took me say twenty fourteen. Until 2017, and that I actually started to open for sponsorship. So I do like in-brand, like in-video sponsorship instead of platform monetizations. Because like you can ask any creator in Cambodia, how like how much they make from platform comparing to how much they make from sponsorship. It's almost like you know 10 to one. Mm. The scale is big difference. I was like five percent of my total revenues. Not even five now. You're comparing it's like one percent of the whole things that I earn. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like hopeless talking about this. Like any creator can relate to this. Like you would not survive based on platform monetization at all. Yeah, and just to think about also from uh, just from the comfortability aspect of it too, yeah. being able to really grow that confidence. You know, you mentioned when you were in university, that's where you started with filming yourself and being comfortable speaking in front of the camera. You know. What point was it that you kind of were able to shut out what other people's opinions and thoughts were about you know you starting your own channel and becoming a content creator and just realize this is you know what I want to do and I'm just gonna go ahead and go all in 100. percent I think uh, that time when I started to show my face was I was on the brink of resigning from my job, so I need to find a fallback plan of what I'm gonna do next. I was offering. I got a job offering from this company called iFlix as the country director, and I went full length. I got accepted. Job offers in. I said no to them. I should have done it, man. Like honestly, because they did came. They did come to Cambodia, and then uh, they opened an office. But now they're gone because they changed their strategy. But like, I was in this dilemma of whether I should change my job or I should follow my own dream, right? And that was the time that, like I said earlier, that I left myself no choice. I either do this or I have to get another job. And I don't want to do, have another job. I don't want to be in the office anymore. I want to go out. I want to do things on my own term. And I want to see if I can survive that or not. And so I start to force myself to sit in front of the camera and talk. And I was quite shy of like how I look. 
in front of the camera and uh, you can see a few videos i use this a lot because that helps me just ignoring other people watching me or even like my colleague because i shot a couple of videos in my office during the weekend because i i always spend time in the office during the weekend to do my own works like i as a staff i work differently than the other like the other would just work during working hours i don't i work whenever i feel like getting the job done first then i can have my own time doing my own things so that's why i go to the office quite often during the weekend so that i spend some time doing the video and then uh, my my boss bonsila the one uh, after bonsila told me to stop filming in the office he said that i other might not be happy of this and like bro i'm not even like if you just me put the camera on the table sit on the chair and talk that wouldn't hurt no i was like what's the big deal you know for me i got really like paranoid from from what he he told and uh, so that's well i mean that was nailed to the coffin for me i had to leave the job like i need my own space so i resigned and uh, before i resigned he asked me should i try one like one last time if i still love the job so i i asked him to move me to sales team so i imagine eh, from tv production manager to sales executive but the under one condition the salary stay the same for the first three months right when i moved so i moved there and i made almost no sales within that three months but what i did i learned how to sales I've learned so much. So that three months really defined how I do my content too, like how I sell my content to potential partners as well. Like really, like I tell every, anyone, like if don't think you know how to sell, you need to spend time with salespeople. You will know how to sell. If you just start selling on your own, you might don't know the trick, but they do have stuff that like really can make make you like you know became uh, become a first choice. If you have competition, like I would say, if I have competition like with a brand among other creator i would be able to sell it first this is a specific trick that you can apply to so yeah that that's when i start to realize that i have to really work hard to to build my my channels and i remember the first video that i got sponsored it was uh, it was not even in cash it was in kind like butter deal yeah i got a a gimbal like a phone gimbal you will see the video i was unboxing a phone gimbal it was like a 100 dollar gimbals a, and they just gave me one of that i make like three videos i was so happy man yeah. i mean thanks to them too because that actually that was the time that i realized that this thing can make me money but it was not the motivation for making money of what i was doing it was more am i enjoying doing it because i never have this single thought of me oh how much money i will make it was not that it was just me do i like what i'm doing or not like will i survive it was more just like put food on the table Uh, have enough cash to pay for the the rent or internet fee, all of these things. It was just that it was never about me getting a certain things. I sold everything I have to get what I need to make my content. Even like my own bike that I love, I I sold it because I need a certain gear that I need to use it now, and could not find anybody else to help me. So I rode it to a shop and sold it. My wife was not mad at me, surprisingly. Yeah, it was funny because I made a decision on my own, like within. Five minute time frame that I need to sell the bike to get this. I need to buy this certain. Uh, if you see for a couple of video, I have a waterfall tutorial that I have to show the phone camera screen. So I need to buy that recorder that able to record the camera screen 
so that I can teach people or I can share people how to take a certain photograph so they can see what my perspective. So that was the trick. Like, how would I do like the storytelling that I'm telling, how I tell it at my best. So I need that tool. And it was expensive, just like $600. And my bike, when I bought it, was $3,000. I sold it for $800. <laughs> yeah, because I, I sell it instantly. If I, you know, find other buyer, probably get more, but I have to sell it right away to, to get that gears. And so that was the sacrifice I made. And without that, I wouldn't, I, would, I wouldn't have today. And it's also like, that's things for many other creators they need to understand is that there's, there's no free lunch, you know, would not get free stuff by just asking for it or waiting for it to come to you. You need to go to it, to watch it, right? Even for brand deal as well. You can negotiate with a shop or with a brand, but then they would offer you a certain things that they can only offer. It's up to you to decide, right? So for me back then, that was a lot. So yeah, so that was the, the, the first monetization that I got like officially was in kind, not cash. Just, does that start also with just a, you know, you don't really have the end in mind of where it is that you're trying to get to or where, it, I guess for anybody that wants to be a content creator, especially in that, like at the very beginning stage and, you know, this first video of unpacking the gimbal, doing the videos and coming to the realization that this is something I can do. Is it just hitting milestone after milestone, small milestone after milestone, realizing like this can get bigger and bigger? Or did you have an end in sight in which you wanted to reach to? Was it like, you know, at some point I want to get to, you know, a thousand followers and how am I going to get there? Or is it like, did you have a million followers in mind from the very beginning? Or was it something that just developed over time? Honestly, man, I never thought about numbers. It was never a part of why am I doing it? Because I always joke about this, like the number will always go up. Either way, either like, you know, it's just a matter of time. That's all. Like sooner or later, you're going to get there. And for a young creator, for me as well, if I look back back then, what, what motivated me most to make more content, it was the audience themselves. When I make a content, they would come to me or they would comment about what I'm doing, whether they like it or whether they want to see more of it. I spend more time reading the comment than actually making the content. The audience was my biggest producers until now still, because like there's this type of creator who create content for a specific audience. They are also creator who just make content for themselves. Right. So I want to be in between that. I don't want to, I don't want to be either because if you be too inclusive of like exclusive to be content for the audience, then you don't have your own personality. Right. If you make for yourself only, then your audience might not enjoying it. So you need to find the, the gray area there, like, you know, the balance, right? Like Socrates always say, the, the perfect means, right? So it was that my way of doing it was just, I will see my audience, like I make a certain content, do they like it or not? But also myself too, do I enjoy making it or not, right? So it was that, it was more about me have the motivation, have the excitement. Like every time if I, I'm excited to do a certain content, the audience will get the same feeling. That's always applies. You're like after nine years, still the same things. I, I I would notice a certain content that I force myself to make. That is when discipline come to play. Like you discipline yourself to make sure you get it done. But that doesn't guarantee the result. Because like, you know, we are, we are not robot. <laughs> you can discipline a robot to do a certain things with a certain command, but then the result will be different. So that, yeah. So the dilemma is there. Like you need to find your perfect timing to do your things and you get it done. But for, for the number target, I think that is... Uh, 
I mean, I don't know because I never pressure myself to do it. I don't know how other people would feel if they pressure themselves to reach a certain milestone. For me, uh, whenever I see bigger number than the previous video, it's actually motivate me a lot more to make more content faster or bigger or better, right? But it's it it never upset me if I have lower number. That's the, the things that I can share like personally. Because um, I don't expect much when I release a content, but I I would say the minimum I would expect is one person watching it. If that one person understand what I'm saying, that that's enough. I mean, imagine you talking to a thousand people and nobody understand what you're saying. That would be a pain. But the thing is, it's how to start from one, right? And then uh, we go to two, to three, to four, to five. So you you start from there, like you know, and it then it become a part of your 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 rhythm. I would say like making content is like a rhythm, like you know, you know what you're doing, you know what you're saying. I never script my video since day one. And I I have friends who do scripting video. And of course, I respect them for doing it. I have no problem against that. Of course, some video need scripting. But for me, I would just lay out what I want to say ahead of time. I don't even look at the note after I lay it out. I just wrote it down. I remember it. And then I just follow what I feel like saying it. Because I want it to be real. I don't want people to be outside and be like, hey, you're different from the video. I mean, I don't know. For me, that just feels awkward. Like, you know, because we are not actors, you know, we're not celebrity, we are not an artist or anything, we're just a person, right? And that's what I love about the job that I'm doing now, because that doesn't pressure me to be someone else that I'm not. And yeah, so that that is how I look at it. Don't, don't, don't care about the number, it will, it will grow. It's just that for yourself, like, how much can, can you do, like, from what you wanted to do, like, how far can you go? But to see the end point, nah, I don't know if when I'm going to stop. If you ask me when I'm going to stop, nah, I don't know. And uh, we also want to dive into like podcasting. What impact do you think starting the podcast has had on your just your overall brand content? And why did you, why did you go down that path of, of podcasting? Podcast actually part of me for a long time. Uh, Joe Rogan is definitely one of the, the OG that I, I saw. And like, I, I like to listen to people's conversations. And and then I look into Cambodian market. We don't have that many type of content that similar to podcasting where you can just sit down and talk like this, right? Like without having the pressure of, can I say this or not? Like, will this offend somebody or would this hurt someone? I mean, of course, the intention of doing the podcast is not to hurt anyone. It was more about like, you know, I have my story I want to share. And then I want this to have like, you know, I want Cambodia to have this platform of like, you know, freely talking. And so I planned it. Like when I first started doing content, I saw Joe Rogan, I think back in 2015, when I started really like listening to him from time to time. But that time Joe Rogan was also kind of lost himself too. <laughs> it was quite, it was, it's quite messy. But I like it though. You're like, the thing is like, you know, I, I know Joe Rogan from UFC, not really from the podcast. And I've been for I love his boy, I love his energy, you know. So I following I following his work. And then when he started doing the Joe Rogan experience, that he used the word experience, you know, that's just like he don't care how other people feel. It is his own experience, you know. And all the guests came onto the show, like I don't see them being pressured to to act. Like, yeah, they're just being themselves, you know. Some of some of them speak like things that we would not agree with, but that's okay, that's their opinion, right? So I wish we could do this here. So then I need to find a way to do it. But then I look around like, what do I have? I have nothing. <laughs> so I try a little bit, you know, I, I, I bought this and that. It was first like, I think first I was bought the Shure microphone just to do the streaming and then record my own voice. 
And then I started realize, hey, I got one already, you know, maybe I should get another one. And then, yeah, keep adding up the gears that I needed. And I got the gear, then I have to start doing the content. So I invited friends that I'm close with, I'm for like that we, we can talk like normally. The first season was quite awkward. No offense to the previous guests, but I did re-invite them because I look at it, it was just so awkward. It's just me, don't know what I was doing, but it was good experience. It was a good journey. Um, I think everyone, every podcast started from there, oh, right? Yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. You, you were just like panicking when you run out of questions. Mm-hmm. And also sometimes you, you're pressing yourself to ask. Actually, sometimes you don't need to, you know? Like podcast is more like you can have your guests asking you as well. You need to make sure that your guests understand that. So my, it goes back to the whole scripted nature too. Like what comes naturally versus what's scripted. Yeah. So that's true. That's true. But for me, I didn't script it. It was a big challenge. It was also a big gamble, gamble for me as well to not scripting what I want to do. But I, I do like constantly reminding myself to stay in the topics. I think that's a good exercise to not forget what you want to talk about. But of course, you need to have a certain gaps where you can just talk about anything you want to make you, you feel comfortable before you can share in the story, right? So, um, but then the problem I faced was that, so I was doing the podcast and then I, I would invite certain people to join, even the guests, like whether they, regardless they're famous or not, I need to make sure I have budget for them. So these things like the producer mindset for me, uh, of me start to ask myself, like, what are you going to do? Like, how, how are you going to deal with these things, you know? So the only solution I had was to not monetize the, the, the podcast, to not get sponsored so that there's no brand conflicts. And then uh, I challenged myself. I told myself that I dare you doing it. Like, how would you survive without making money from the content? And would you be able to invite many guests on the show, you know? So it was a bet against myself. And um, so I, for season, I started to invite all the close friends I have. And they were quite helpful, really. I owe them a lot. And so I learned, I learned from, from that season one is that there's a certain things that needed to be done, like say lighting, sound quality. And then I experienced the camera just cut off itself and the audio was not good. And then the room is not nice. So I listened to all the feedback from the audience and also find the right platform for them to listen to and also maximize the availability of the podcast as well so that people can listen or watch or, and, and also be consistent. Like, day you post it, the time you post it, and also the visual as well. Like you don't do too much or too little, just enough to a point where people can actually listen properly, right? And without knowing that podcast going to become somewhat like, you know, acceptable here. I think we have way back. It's like, you know, you know this, right? We have radio show before, right? You listen while you're driving, or you're bored, you just turn on the radio and listen to it. Just podcast is like that, but it's just pre-recorded. Right. So my biggest challenge was to introduce the term podcast to the market. Like people didn't know what podcast is. They would call it a show, an interview. But I mean, of course, it can be an interview, but it's just less pressure than the actual interview show where you have to come question prepare. And also you would have a certain time frame of how far you want to go and how long you will run it for. But podcast is no limits. Like the, the, the running time is just whenever you feel like ending it, you're ending it. Right. Yeah. And there's no like, oh, guys, I'm going to introduce this person, right? Like you come on and you introduce the guest. Or like the first time probably you do it. But then after some time, you realize that it's time wasting. Right yeah. I mean, like people would have to do some research as well. Like usually like people who reach out on the podcast, they wouldn't care like who is talking, but they would care about how 
how they feel from that person sharing the experience, right? Like Maya Angelou, she said, right? They wouldn't care what you've done. They would, they would care how you make them feel. So they're also like a quote that I always follow. So that, that was the main key. And then um, I started season two. It was more determined. I, I expand. I, I was no longer doing one guest to one speaker. I want to have two guests so that the dynamic will be different, right? And so, yeah, the season two that I started, I invested more like visually lighting, cameras. I added more stuff to make sure that it looks more premium. And because I already, I think season one, season one was more like, how to say it, when you go to a school before, how, well, what's the English term? When, when you go to college, you have to, orientations. Yes. yes, the season one was orientation for the, for the, the audience to understand what a podcast is. But then season two, we just nailed, just have to nail that term. Like I have to make sure they accept it. And it was quite controversial. Like sometimes I realized that I talk more than the guests, but, and then I, I asked myself why. And then I remember the guests always told me they're not comfortable in front of the camera. So I had to make sure they forget that they're in front of the camera. So you do talk a lot. Yeah. You need to, you're like, you need to like make them forget where they're at and who they're talking to or what they're doing, you know? Or even just like forget you have the microphone in your face. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that's, that's, that's like, normally it's just like that, you know? And, and I got many feedback from the guests. They just said that, oh, thank you. Feeling very comfortable talking to you. And it's like, no, we, we are comfortable talking to each other for a long time. We just didn't realize this, right? Because when the camera's on, you're kind of aware of it. And then you're like careful with what you're saying and stuff. But the good thing about podcasts, you can edit some part out. If they, if like, you know, mistakenly happens, then it's okay. And so, yeah, that, that season two really like change how, like how I see these things and I can see it going really big, not just for me, for, for the, the whole, you know, society, like, I just realized now there's so many podcasts now out there. It's a good things, but hopefully they keep doing it, not just like from the hype, from from so-called like jumping on the hype train and then doing it for the sake of doing it. That's kind of sad. It hap- it will happen, but it's just that I want, I want to encourage anyone who's doing podcasts, just be consistent with it. Like I, I saw a couple of people are doing like two episodes and then just disappear for six months and then they come on and do the episode things like, no, 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 no. It's like farming, you know. Yeah. You need to make sure you you have to, you know, water your crop all the time. And then after you harvest it, you need to plant a new seed and then you harvest it again. It's, you, you're not just like plant a seed and then water it once and then you run away. Expect it to grow. It's not going to happen. And then you you heard the industry too. You heard, you heard the, the format too as well. Because podcast is good if you like, you know, you found a way of, Make sure that you have things to do all the time from each episode. Like like for you guys, you evolve, right? I respect you for doing that because some people would not dare doing that. They would afraid that they will lose their audience or they uh, might struggle more, which that's the fun of making content, right? You always find you challenging and then you learn through that process and you're always upgrading your, like I, I remember you guys doing like for phone with, and then invested in microphone now and then you get the camera now too. So, that's the journey of, of that. Yeah. So uh, for podcasts, for me, it changed how people look at me as well. And personally, for me, I've learned so much from the guests that was on. And I, I dare to express myself more in public as well. Because there's always this like, self-awareness of me when I make content. Right? When I say a th- certain thing, I feel like it might offend people or it might hurt someone's feeling. Then I came to a conclusion where if my intention is right, if my intention is good, maybe the word sometimes 
but I would not over not cross the line. But it's like within a line where people can understand what I'm saying. It's not rude. It's okay. If you want to express your yourself, express it. But you don't go around and slap people in the face, which is that's not right. But if you just say, "Hey, this is not right. Don't do this." Like pre- like previously, when I t- tell people who making podcasts, just if you do it, you love it, do it. If you just do it for the sake of you and and likes, don't do it. It won't last. That's 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 the thing. The intention is good. I want them to grow. But if you want to grow, then grow together, right? So it changes how brands look at me, and I also manage to get more brand deal as well. And uh, I think more mature now after three years of doing it, and uh, I don't I don't see when I'm gonna stop. It's gonna go bigger and bigger because I'm planning to do like many more people like roundtable, like the Hollywood celebrity roundtable. I think there's also a good side type of. Format that we can do here as well because usually people don't sit down and talk; they only drink. Yeah. <laughs> yeah what do you think uh, of all the podcasts you've done? Which one do you think has had like the biggest, the mm-hmm. biggest impact on you or even on your audience? Which that's that's a tough question, bro. <laughs> I would say I think um, it was it this friend of mine, Tauri, Rati's sister, and then Bong Chomran. She's writer as well she wrote a couple of books and uh, because Tauri is quite an introvert person she don't like go out congrats to her she just had a baby and uh, so I invited her, her on with Bong Chumran they, they were like oh okay yeah, let's do it and then they were concerning about them talking to the camera and also like you know they never had this type of conversation where they can share personal stuff so I told them, I guarantee, don't worry, you come on, I'm just going to do my best to make sure you can talk and stuff. So I, I never pressure myself to make sure that they, <laughs> I would just naturally just, I know they're going to talk. Yeah. That's all I know. It's just to make sure that the vibe is real. And also they open up about what they want to share. And so we went on the show, we talk and stuff. After two hours, they were like, oh yeah, is it, is it done? Yeah. Oh wow. It was so fast. So every guest is like this. It's like, oh, two hours so fast. Well, of course, because you're not being pressured to talk. So, uh, and then they keep telling me that, thank you for having them on the show because they really get a lot of word out that they want to talk in public, but they never, they are saying it. And like, as a friend, it means a lot to me that they allow me to, to you know, to have them giving me that type of a story, sharing that they, they talk about how they experience. And many other guests as well, like most of my guests who are on, they don't really often share their personal story on social media. All of them. But after like half an hour of conversation, they started to share stuff. So like that was one of my favorite, but that doesn't mean that the other episode are not. <laughs> they're going to hate me for this. <laughs> but of course, I've learned a lot from each episode. It's just that from one to the other, it has its own spin. It has its own storytelling. Like recently, I, I had Dali and uh, Sam's on. It was quite interesting because I have to speak Khmer English all the time. Like repeatedly, like back and forth. It was quite an interesting experience because, you know, like when you speak English, you like your mind and your head is sort of in a different universe. And then you go back to Kumai, it's like, how I can jump back and forth like this? But it was fun. It was fun. And um, and they, they opened up a lot of stuff that uh, I did not because the thing is that I don't, I never hang out with them before. And it's always interesting to talk to people that you don't know much about. And then all of a sudden they start to share their personal experience with you. Like, like, you know, why would they do that? Right. And then that means a lot. Like, so every guest, like even with Vanda as well, like 
I mean, for me that was quite a big deal. Like for the audience that they they realize that oh, wow, this guy can get him on. I didn't. I did not expect him to to be on like that easily. Like in terms of accessing to uh, like you know to have him on the show. Like you see, you you don't see him on any podcast like like that long. And regardless of whatever happened on the show, that was that. But for me personally, it it shows that what I'm doing matters. It actually allow people to feel safe to express themselves on the show, and also open up about. What they want to share, and also be more minded about what they wanted to do next, right? And that that was it. And like right now, for 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 me going further, it's just that. So I started to make a list of people I want to invite. There's just so many. Like you guys also on the list for sure. <laughs> it would be different when you're on my show. <laughs> that would be my turn. <laughs> so I had to make sure that I have proper time to film all of it. But the good thing that I love. What I've done with the podcast is that I never stuck to episodes because I feel like I don't want it to get rotten. Like you know, the food, for example, it has you have to eat it fresh. Yeah. So, so that is the challenge that I'm facing. But yeah, so con- in conclusion, please don't get mad at me. Are the guesses that that been on my show? I mean, I love you guys all, and thank you for being on it. But it's just that a certain episode that I feel like I've done more than I should have, and it's good. It's quite rewarding. Yeah. I think another interesting piece about that too is you said about you talked about setting the vibe with with guests and being able to create an atmosphere in which it's comfortable, regardless if you know them for a long time or if you just have recently met them. And something that Max and I like to go back to, or whenever we first have an introduction call with the guest, if we've never met them before, it's we always say it's like having you know a coffee chat with some friends that you know somebody that you know. And so that's how we try to frame the the actual idea of when you come into. The, the actual room to record, and I'm wondering it, how was it developing your craft in which that you're thinking about how to create this atmosphere. Did, was it something that you just felt like came naturally, or did you feel like there was a way that you were interviewing that helped kind of get towards that comfort that you're able to provide towards the guest? Well, I mean, if I look at it, it's more about how I like the first communication when I I invite a guest. I usually I would not invite guests via Social media. I try not to do that as much as possible. I would invite them in persons, regardless of the person I want to invite. I would not rush into inviting them, and I would never set a date for them. I would just tell them whenever you're available, please let me know, and uh, you don't need to feel pressure for coming on my show. I just found that you you have so many things that would be really useful for kids to listen to, or even people like me to 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 understand what you're going through and stuff. So that was it. There was. The first contact would be like no pressure at all. Do do it if you wanted to. If you don't want to do it, don't do it. And whenever you feel like doing it, let's do it. That was that. And then when it comes, like I did not have them right like like earlier as well. Like we walk around and we talk a little bit. I just don't tell them when to start. We just talk first and see how like have they warm up yet, <laughs> right? And also, I give them entire freedom to. Say whatever they want to say, and if they make a mistake, we can edit it out. But like I think ninety nine point ninety nine percent of my podcast never edit anything, so that was good. And uh, it's depend on how you like deliver the message to the guests as well, and to make sure that they trust you, like, and be respectful. Actually, I think another episode that I really like most as well is me with Cha Cha in Senghua, because uh, they 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 told me after the show that they feel really comfortable open up about. The, the gender and also the 
experience that they went through as well and uh, they never felt like I was being disrespectful or I labeled them into like like even with Sam too I not I did not invited him because he's african or anything it was not the skin color that the reason I invited because of what he's done uh, because he's worked so that was clear I had to make sure that they understand that and also like even with Wanda or Chidibit for example it was not because of their famous I want them to be on it was more about what I want to learn from them and also the audience can learn from them as well things that you know that's not available here I don't want to do things that already has been done by others right and even how like the same guest like as the other podcast I would also like you know would not bother going looking what they say and stuff to try to do differently nah I just if they want to talk about the same thing fine but I want to make sure you do it your best the message has to come up from you naturally so you're not being pressured to say certain things right So that was that was my main reason and I always reach out to people who like I feel like they they need the platform to amplify their exposure or maybe like its story is worth telling I would do that like I would not categorize because of uh, like status because of who they are and then trying to to get them on and once I make sure they understand what I was trying to do I think they feel quite comfortable because I told them the truth you know I, I don't want you to be on because you're famous or because of you're the biggest star or anything because I know your story will be really worth listening to and that's one of the m- most important uh, quality and value of the podcast as well right when people listen to the podcast it's not that short you know two three hours long that's you can make so much money from that and they spend that time listening to your, your your conversations that means a lot so that's why I value every single minute that my audience spend on the podcast I just don't do much intro just say hey hello welcome let's go to talk right like we did right yeah. so that that's 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 what what's up with the podcast you don't do the protocol <laughs> not at all no need no need yeah i also want to like touch on like you were saying about how you're going through a process right now of like trying to rethink things and kind of think about what's next for yeah. your content and the future What do you like if we were to like fast forward a few years in the future like what what do you want to be where where do you kind of want to be at that point Honestly I have this uh it's like in in a voice and a dream since I was a kid I want to make film I want to make movie feature feature film and I start to see more and more now that I'm leaning toward that but it's just a matter of time like how how soon that I will do it and um it I don't know like you know I'm not a big fan of law of attraction so called but it just one you lean towards something that you really want to do and you just keep pushing toward it without realizing it you actually building your environment toward that like for me like all the gears that i owned was all about for filmmaking i started for with photography but i think i've done my part there and then i started to get many products uh, sponsored from uh, like company abroad they sent me and then they asked me to select stuff that i wanted it was more related to filmmaking even the lighting the gears all of these things like Oh why 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 do I have so many of this like even the camera I randomly I just decided to buy a red for no reason and I don't know why I did it it was so expensive <laughs> and then I made it to make YouTube no it was me like seeing me using that making short film or TV commercial or documentary film right and then that's why right now I realize that I have everything I needed so what should I do next or what can I do now you know I asked myself that so that I would not forget where I came from and in order to do this I need to build a team so the gear is there but then where's the team right I used to have the team but the team was not the right uh, like you know group of people to do what I wanted to do so we part ways and then now I need to recruit new people and then 
maybe you know uh, work against my ego a little bit that uh, I need to learn how to work with other people as well which is something that I need to work on so I would say in the next couple of years I would see myself keep doing content as well but maybe a little bit different because I think we reach a point where now people understand what what a quality content is in comparing to what a fun content is you can have like a very funny content and have millions of views but people can just laugh at it that's it or you can have like you know a 10,000 view content that people can learn so much from it so I lay that out okay I would say this content has to have this much story to tell or this much uh, like you know a gears listed in or tutorial uh, teach to people and stuff and I would not care how many people watch it but I want people to know that this exists right and then I would make content that people just can laugh at it for the sake of having fun with it that was it so I just have to separate that but the thing is like I said earlier the problem is like having a right group of people to work with you and and hopefully I will get there sooner because like there's so many creators out there right now doing so many things, especially in Cambodia right now, which is a good thing. But hopefully they will not stop. For me, I would I, I love competition. I in competition in a way that, you know, like before when I started, there's like I was like ten creators in the whole industry. Yeah. And now they're like more more than five hundred. Everyone everyone with a page with likes and follow, I create an house. <laughs> Which is true, no? Yeah. With a camera or with a phone, they can also make contents. Mm-hmm. Which is good. It's good. It make it more accessible, but it's just like how consistent can they be? And how far can they go? Because I, one of the things that I, I never get to talk about is that how you, can you survive in the industry like as a content creator, as a full-time content creator, for example. I have so many questions from the young one that ask me, how do I keep, keep, like, keep myself loving what I'm doing and survive until now? But the trick is to not have short-term brand deals. You need to have long-term brand deals where you can rely on and that is sort of your safety, you know. The backbone of your financial situation, you need to have a consistent income to pay for whatever you need to spend on. And then you can do some other like freelance project that like a bonus for me. So I have like three, four brand deals yearly that I don't need to worry about. Every time I sign, it's a year, a contract. So that was it. That was my financial safety. I don't really, I don't need to wake up in the morning, worry about, oh, do I have a job to do or not? Oh, no. I would have a certain schedule to do and then that's it. And that's why I can do the podcast now without sponsorship because I have that. And I think I've been having this for the past four years. And all the brands that I work with, usually at least four or five years time frame. But now I, I only change one brand in, in the past four years, which is not bad. But for all creators out there who are struggling financially, I think you need to look for long-term brand deals to survive. And uh, this is very important because if you just keep doing a bunch of random projects, one day you're going to run out of things you want to do. But if you sign a long term, they are also bound to give you works to do as well. Just just a quick follow up on the on the film stuff. You said like that's kind of you see that's your direction. Is there any people that you like look up to in the film industry here? Yeah. Yeah. In Cambodia versus like versus the, the region or, or just in the world. What do you like? Where do you get your inspiration from, I guess, on that, on that side of things? Honestly, no offense to the local filmmaker. Or, or I, I, I was influenced a lot by, you know, the, the Killing Field was one of the things that film that really like inspired me to, oh, I want to make film about my country, but not related to the Killing Field. I want to make something happy about Cambodia. 
But I think because I feel like we we have enough sorrow and misery type of film related to Cambodia. We should move on. We should make something that's more bright, more you know, uh, yeah, happy than just look at look back to the past. Because I think there's so many other filmmakers out here doing many good film, which I appreciate it. But it just that we don't have that many local like doing film locally. Usually, would have people from France, from the US, who come back and do it. No, no disrespect to them; they've done amazing, and they also get the local to work with them as well. But what if people from here expressing themselves or telling the story of Cambodia from a perspective of someone who's born here, who's been through? Because I've been through a lot too. I've been through. I was born in refugee camp. I moved back, and then I I lived with the like you know the. Post Khmer Rouge era a little bit, it was a bunch of uh, gunfire and stuff as well near the border. So I see all of these things. I don't want to remember that anymore. I want people to see what is the good side of Cambodia, and through filmmaking, through feature film, documentary film. I like a documentary film a lot. For filmmakers, I I just like Christopher Nolan, all these things. But those are like art things that you very hard to understand, right? So those are people that I would look up to, like a good storytelling about Cambodia. But it that's dream big. But see what I can do is, I have to start with like thing that I'm able to do first is probably documentary film, that I feel like we don't have much here. Like say Prahok, you know Prahok, right? Prahok, fermented fish, fish. That's like Cambodian cheese. The fermented fish, yeah, it's smelly, but it's like Cambodian staple like food. When you talk about Prahok, every Cambodian knows, but not every Cambodian know how Prahok is made, where Prahok is come from, where Prahok is being sold, and how, like, what's the difference between each Prahok style? There's so many kind, right? These are things that we have that we identify ourselves with, but we don't know the history. We don't know how it's made. We don't know where is the best Prahok come from, and no, no other filmmakers making it. Anything related to it? Maybe one day Discovery Channel and Nazi Over can make it. But I want the local to make it. Like we need to. Like I don't think Nazi would care about making Prahok stinky. They would have the crew had to stand the, the smell, and the process of making it also is hard. It's like Cambodian rice, for example. We have one of the best rice in the world, but we don't have any documentary about our rice. Notice, right? Yeah. If you go on YouTube, you search probably like you would see a couple of people making a slide. A video with voiceover talking about Cambodian rice, but there's never been a full documentary on how we grow rice, what type of soil soil we we need to select, or how we maintain the soil quality to make sure that you can grow rice well, and how many times you can grow it in a year, and what is the season that is most difficult to grow rice, and which province it grow the best rice with soil quality. Because all of these things, I got goosebumps saying this because somehow I got really mad like. Looking at what we have done in terms of contents and also uh, uh, film in general, like there's so many ghost movie love story, right? I don't mind. It's the market. It's fine. Go with the flow. But things things that we never done is the documentary, where I feel like you know we should challenge ourselves. I have friends who make documentary film as well, but they usually work with the uh, like NGO and also like production from abroad that making a certain like the Mekong all of these things, which is amazing. Or simple things that we usually living with, we don't know. Like chroma, you know chroma too, right? Chroma, the scarf, the chroma, chroma. That's also, you know, I was, I was like symbol as well. 
nobody has compromised me. Not many people. I'm thinking about my sons, the youngster that they grow up without knowing these things. So that's a documentary is for, right? For you to understand the resources. So that is probably my first phase of doing it. Not I'm not gonna jump into making like a video film, right? I don't have experience for doing that. Like I can do, but maybe the quality is not at what I need. But I can see I can do the documentary first because that is within my ability to get sponsored or to get funding to do it. And also, I have enough network now to be able to reach out to make that type of content. It's not, it's it's not that easy either. Like documentary film is very hard, especially like to have to tell a co- cohesive story, and you need to figure out how you're gonna start it. But I already figured out how I want to do. It. I want to do it backward. I have, I have a dish covered prahok, but then you go backward where the prahok came from, so you track it backward. Yeah. So then people understand. Ah, so this prahok is not that easy to make. <laughs> also, uh, you know. A, a grand like a piece of rice like right like you know you just hold it in your hand you don't know where it came from just tra- track back to where it came from the origin so yeah that's my ambition i i think i shared this three four times already but it's still in the back of my head i will do it it's just a matter of time because did a lot of funding for that <laughs> and you're talking about funding now it's not that easy to to get funded doing certain things yeah uh, yeah another thing another thing you mentioned earlier is about you said it's in your career and like building teams has been something that you've some sometimes struggled with, right? You said your ego can sometimes get in the way. What have been some of the ways you've tried to overcome that and um, look to recruit people and, you know, keep people working with you over the long term? Yeah, well, I mean, um, say, because for a production team, it's fine because things, if they got it wrong, they can reshoot. But for my type of works, if you got it wrong, there's no second takes, right? A certain a certain project, you need to just do one take and one shot, right? And sometimes you work under time constraints. Like you don't have much time to to film the product you're filming or you're going to a certain event that you need to get that shot or a certain client brief that you have to follow. And what my experience with the team, the previous team I had is that at first it was okay, but then they started to play more while working and also like not being responsible for what they're doing. And I should have told them earlier, like after noticing that and also like find a way to train them to be more responsible with the, the responsibility they have. And then, yeah, so I gave them a choice, actually. I told them what I wanted to do and then uh, like, like imagine you want your team to be with you, working with you. I don't say working for me, working with, right? The with and the for is different, right? So I want them to work with me. And then what they keep saying is like, oh no, I have my job. I'm not sure. I'm like, no, I don't want uncertainty. I want yes or no, right? So they keep giving me like this uncertainty answers. I don't like that because I don't want to keep wasting my time. So that was the ego came into play. I was like, I don't need them. I'm going to, I can do it alone. Even if you go to, when you go to my studio, you you will see what I have right now needed at least 20 to 30 people to use to get it done. But I somehow managed to like, like automate everything by my own. But it was exhausting because the lifting, the heavy lifting, I have to do it. Also, I need to spend more time testing, checking all of these things. But it's good that I've done that because now I realize that if, if somebody is doing this, I can just tell them that, how I done it and show them how to do it, which is easier. It was a good practice. But the problem that I have, the biggest problem I have is trusting people. Like, like you know, my studio, we have so many things there and stuff and then having them come back and forth. 
I mean, no offense. I have no negative expectation of anyone, but to let someone coming into your house or your studio and spend time there fully, that's a lot of trust you need to build with. Especially they spending many, many days there, all the time being there. That was the things that I need to work on. But maybe the solution is to have an office and more organized and have more structured uh, workflow because I do not want to waste more time like leaving my gears, collecting dust in the studio, not doing anything. They're all quite expensive. And and it's like they are the trophy of my work. You know, like I get stuff from a company abroad. They give me, it's not just because they want me to promote them. It's For me, it's a trophy. Everything I earn is a trophy. In kind, it's a trophy. Like if I get a new camera from a company, it's a trophy. That's like me winning against myself. Oh, I earned this. Oh, I earned that. And so I don't sell a trophy. So I keep the trophy and then I so many trophies, I don't know what to use for. <laughs> so I need to find more people to work for me. And also, there are these type of people as well who say they can do it. They say, yeah, 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 yeah. But then when it comes to doing it, they cannot do it. I have a problem with that. Like Because what I always tell my previous team is that I'm too old now. I don't have more time to waste with like, you know, trying or let's do it first and see. No, set a goal. Achieve it or not, accept it. That's all. You do it, you cannot do it, then don't do it. If you say you, you can do it, then you need to deliver, right? The thing is that I have to look into like the reward that they're getting too. I'm giving them more reward comparing to other people who are in that industry. Say like the budget for them per day is like two times comparing to others who's working in the industry or three times. But in workload, they only do like 10 to 20 minutes of work. Yeah, because I reward them with that because I know that they, they deserve that. But then I maybe spoil them, I don't know. But I have no, no bad blood with them or I have no like you know upset feeling toward my, my previous team. It's just that I don't think they understand what I'm trying to do. And I even lay them the whole plan of what I want to do, like the master plan. Like when I, I right now I'm doing the content, right? I would make like a spin-off channel for them as well, like doing their own stuff. I want them to become creator too, but they don't want to, then fine. And then I also like, have a production house where I can use all my tool to make commercial or doing like, you know, advertisement stuff and then shop. I want to open a shop. I'm going to do it for sure. I've said this in the past seven years, <laughs> but I'm going to do it. I know I'm going to do it. It's just not now. Economic is kind of bad. So, and then I have the school, you know, and I want them to be a part of that. Like I lay that out for them and say, so like, which part do you want to be a part of? And they seem not excited about it. So I told them, if you don't want, you don't want to do it, just don't do it. Do you th- do you think that maybe the, them not wanting to be part of it is that they themselves have an ego of wanting to accomplish something in their own mind versus jumping on the train? Or yeah, I mean, they do have something in their own mind. I don't think that that's not a problem with me. And so that's not an ego. That's called dream, or they have purpose, which is good. So I want them to follow that, and but they have make sure that they, they get what they want. Otherwise, they would regret it later. Because for me, what I learned from my previous job is I was being stopped by someone, uh, not someone, many people told me that I would not able to survive. Like my previous boss, not Bonsila again, the manager above me, he said that I will not survive on my own when I make content. But I mean, I got what he meant. He wanted me to challenge that. And I did, you know. And he also said that I was not the person in front of the camera. I should be the back of, at the back of the camera because you saw what I've done at the back of the camera. But I also want to challenge that too. It works out, you know, but I determined myself that I would be able to achieve this and I prove him wrong. But uh, 
the anger inside me that I want to prove him wrong got me to where I am too. So he played that part too. But the guy also said that I can do anything if I put my mind to it. So I don't know what he was trying to do. But he just gave me a bunch of like, you know, like tough love message. Brain in a blender. Yeah. So I need to figure out when to use that message, right? But I believe this, right? Anyone can do anything if they really committed to do it. Anything. It just, do they have the balls to do it or not? Because some people, they would just say it and they would do it, right? And like for you guys, for example, I remember you said you want to find your own space. And I mean, you went through a lot of process of finding your own space, new space, for example. And you got it, right? But but nobody understand, like nobody know how difficult it was during that process of between you saying it, you want to find a new space until you got a new space, right? So that part, you don't need to tell people. Like either way, it's up to you. But it's just that they they won't understand it. So that's why I think like if people have purpose, it's not an ego, but make sure you stick to that and you make it happen. If you just say it and don't do it, then that's an ego. <laughs> Bragging. Right. I think I think another interesting thing you mentioned there is like quite common. I mean, common in many cultures, but in Cambodia, I find having an office and having like a phys- like somewhere where people can go that's not, not maybe you said it's not your home that will maybe make them more comfortable, right? And and it feels like a more professional environment. So, of course, we've, also, we've seen your home set up. It like, looks phenomenal. But I'm, I'm curious how you think that would change, you know, when you've moved, if you moved to this proper, like, full setup um, corporate situation, how that would, like, change the kind of the work culture that you, that oh, you have. That actually, that's not my home. That's a studio house. But the thing is that, but I live there now. I, 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 I sleep there and spend more time there than at another house. Because I, I don't know, I'm, I got paranoia when I'm away from the office, for, like from the studio for too long. All my life savings is there. <laughs> but the thing is like, I live in a very good area, so that was not the case. But it's just that like, I realized that the problem that I not able to have people coming to work with me all the time, just that I became too connected to the to the location to too close to the studio house that I, I built but the purpose when I first rented I wanted to be just work only but then the more I sort of leaning toward like decorating it and all doing things it's like oh no no this became too personal now so now I realize I need to find bigger space because before I only need like room like this to make content this is like already heaven for me even now that's okay that's I can live with this but then like you want to do something bigger and then you want to spend less time setting up the set, you need bigger space and also bigger team. That's why I said earlier, like better to have an office space where you know your intention when you go, you have to work. Yeah. While at home, you can just relaxing. That's the, the, the challenge that I'm meeting right now. I have PS5 downstairs, 65 inches TV, yeah. ready on a table whenever I want to play, just turn on. That's the problem. Just to comply with like the environment you're in. But at the same time, it's it's good that to have everything that you always wanted. But then what can you do with it? <laughs> right. I think also one more thing to touch on that is, you know, I, I think of this random Drake lyric. It's like, I live in my workplace. And it's like, you when you when you do fully commit and you dive in and, you know, like you said, you're living at, at the place, not only from like a paranoia perspective, but a perspective, but it's also just like, you know, I can also see it from like a comfortability perspective yeah. too. So my, you know, when you're in the same place and you see this same things, how is it that you generate new like ideas or new, you know, inspiration too? Mm-hmm. Because I think that's because I think a lot of times when you see the same thing, it, not to say that it's mundane, but you, you know, that spark could potentially be missing. But 
how do you go about finding that new inspiration? No, that's good. I never realized this when you mentioned that. Actually, that's true. Um, I actually purposely, I change my setup every like two, three months. Yeah. I shuffle things around a lot. And then I, I would move things. I would change the decoration and then change the sets and always make sure that the places that I'm shooting at, it's not the same all the time. And I even have audience came and confronted me. Why you change your set all the time? Like, uh, I just like doing it. <laughs> you don't know. That's a part of me not spending time there too much. And the thing is that whenever I feel like I need new ideas, I would go out, travel, and just go off town, not in town. I think in town is nice. I like it, but it's just not a good place to gather new stuff and exploring new ideas. And also sometimes talking to people, you know, like I think the podcast really play one as one of the biggest important role to allow me to generate new ideas as well. Because sometimes the guests came on is sharing things that uh, they feel like they wanted to do. And then, you know, we sort of like debate a little bit and then I was like, oh, maybe I should try to do that. And it, it's true. Wow. I never realized that like being in the same place, you Wow, I should go out more often now. <laughs> Thank you, Dom. Thank you. Um, hey, now I'm... that that helps a lot. Now this is now I figure out why I'm stuck. Okay. Oh, okay. Wow. Well, you also mentioned too, right? You know, you you recently had just gotten back from Taiwan, right? Yeah. And I think right before we started the podcast, you had also said like experiencing a different culture and just talking to people there yeah. as well. I know for myself personally, same way. I, I love traveling to different countries. I love speaking with different people from different cultures because that helps me better understand how different perspectives come and create different ideas. And so, you know, like you said, getting out of the city and being able to change up your environment like that, it will could definitely generate more of this inspiration of, you know, new content ideas or just different framework of thinking too. Yeah, it's true. Uh, well, I think one, one thing that I did there that I was quite excited and blessed about is that I did a photo shoot session for, for, a friend, she's also a model influencer as well in Singapore. She's quite big, Ruru. And um, I haven't took photographs of people for so long. But um, I always bought, I brought my Fuji because I wanted to do some street. And then when I saw was she was taking some picture with her manager on street, I saw a good post, so I just went and took some picture. And then I showed it to her. She's like, oh, wow, i never seen this photo, like, no edit and stuff. And then it's like, can you take more picture of me and stuff? And then I, I did take more picture along with other photographers as well. And uh, I had a really fun time. And then uh, I came back, I realized that why did I do this back home? <laughs> you know, like going out more and doing, uh, you know, photo shooting with random people. Like, you know, things that I enjoy doing that I should have done. Because here, I feel like there's, there's this uh, uh, social barrier that... I feel awkward or they either feel awkward with me while doing the fashion or street photo well, when you're trying to get to a certain shot that you wanted. You just don't feel comfortable. But up there, like, nobody really cares what you're doing. You're just going around, walking in the street, just taking photographs. But I mean, I will do it here too. I don't... The problem is not with the society. The problem is with me. That I I think in my head I want to do it. I don't go out and do it. But why do I do it? I do it in Taiwan. And then when I did it in Taiwan, I'm like, oh, I can do that. So then I just have to apply that mindset here too. So it's yeah, it's super interesting that you say that too, because like, you know, when you are in a place that you're super familiar with, you are thinking that you're just living this certain way. But when you go to a different area and you know, you you know, you have this inspiration where you go and shoot shots with your Fuji, right? Yeah. And you're just comes naturally. You don't think about it, right? 
But when you come back, you start thinking about it because of maybe some of these, you know, awkward feelings that you might have, you know, just speaking arbitrarily, but like people might be looking at you that you feel like they could know you or something like that in that way. It's, it's almost like as you grow, you get past that comfortability barrier, right? Or you go into something that's uncomfortable. And then from there, you realize that it's actually not as bad as you think. And then you continue to grow in that aspect. And, you know, something that Max and I always talk about too is when you have guests on that you first meet and, you know, you mentioned in your first season, you had friends. So the conversation came naturally, you know, you got, you guys knew each other. Did you ever feel a point of when you started having guests on that you may have not known on a personal basis uh, in this like awkward feeling at all, or, or sense of maybe nervousness that would come along? Or did you feel like it always came naturally that you were able to create this connection and, you know, not have to think too, too much about it? Good point, actually. Um, I remember, I never had any like pressure of having like I did have guests that I don't know personally. The first five minutes, probably like my most struggle, like you know, time to get things going. But then, like doing podcasts is like I think it's a really good practice yard of listening and talking. Like if you if you need to understand the person, the guest on your show. Are they talkative or they are listener or they they talker, right? So I have to figure it out. If I figure out they they listener, then you you yeah you just adapt to them. If they talker, then you let them talk. And also like uh, recently, one of my close friend who was born on my podcast, he told me that he appreciated the fact that I allow people to like be themselves without trying to ask them personal questions, but instead having them talking on their own term. I did tell them like, hey, you want. If you want anything to share personally, you can share. If you don't want to, you don't, don't need to. I'm not going to ask you personal questions or about your relationship, about your life or anything. But if you feel like that can help you like feeling better, you can share. But then, uh, you know, it took me a while to get the person to talk to, but without the intention of having them talk about it. Like the episode with one of my friends, John, say he, he never talked about his wife and kids at all. Some of his audience didn't even know he's married. <laughs> Yeah, and he started, like, suddenly he's like, oh, you know what? After I have my baby, I became less introvert now. I'm like, whoa, did not expect that. But that was after one hour and a half of conversations to a point where he just started opening up about his personal life. I didn't ask. And that was a big deal for me because I realized that, wow, you know, when you make someone very comfortable with you, they start to share the personal story. That means they respect you a lot. Right, and every guest who's on, they always share stuff that I would never expect them to say. But yes, you know. But hopefully, <laughs> what the only thing concern, the only concern I have with all the podcast guests is I hope whatever they say happens, it's not a fabricated story. That's what also I told them. Like, look, whatever you say, you need to be responsible for yourself, because you know whatever you say on the internet stay on the internet forever. Yeah, it's it's there. It's a footprint. <laughs> it would not. We erased it. I cannot help you when you say that I want to publish it out there. Done. <laughs> Not my fault. No, that's right. Same here. I came on it too. Whatever I say, I have to responsible for it. So it, it is important to make sure that they know that. And also if they think that it is not, uh, like, shouldn't, should not be published, they would ask me to edit out. I have guests personally ask me to edit a part out. So it's okay. I respect that. You know, just uh, it's another thought came to my mind too. It's the way that you, you know, the way that you said after an hour and a half, you were able to, you know, that piece of information was able to be shared. 
and it just kind of gave me this thought or like this framework of how when you do like eventually get to that point of a guest like on a podcast you it's just like a little window into their true like emotion because we're all like as humans we're all emotional people i mean that's like that's it's literally what a human is we have these connections that we create and all this and that but you're right there is sometimes barriers with people and being able to have a conversation and really lean into and be able to see into a window of how another person's like true perspective from especially like an emotional emotional aspect of the world i think it's really really interesting because then you get to learn about how people different people go about their day-to-day and think about things differently because i have my own mental framework you know you have your own way when you see things on the street or you know in a business setting or whatever it may be so i don't know i, I thought that was just really interesting thought that came to my mind that's you, you raised many good points that i never noticed that with what i was doing especially with the guests that i don't know and like how i i get familiar with them but i think it's yeah like i said earlier it's very important that you need to listen to what they say and also pay attention you know like like uh, some people they really feel like they can tell you a story and then you're not paying attention they will notice that and then they feel not they would they be not like they might not feel connected to it and then it make the conversation more awkward you know So, and like you said, it's becoming a good listener and speaker. And that's the thing about becoming a podcaster too. It's, you know, it's this muscle that you do develop over time, talking to different people. And I don't know, I feel like doing that, you know, it's, it's so important to be able to listen and understand what people are saying and be able to at least try to continue to build on that conversation, not just kind of have your own agenda of what it is that you're trying to get out of a conversation. It's really this It's really just this, you know, expanding on these ideas and diving in. I mean, that's why these Joe Rogan conversations, for example, are three, four hour long conversations, right? Because there are the opportunities to really, you know, double and triple and quadruple click into like the way that a person's thinking and how like really the foundational idea of this thought or like this feeling or this emotion, like where does it come from, from certain people? To me, that's what I think is super interesting. But That's true. That's true. I agree. And. There's one other things that I, I didn't get to share earlier about like this type of uh, long form content, especially with podcasts that what I faced in the past is that people would edit a short portion of the clip, mm-hmm. clips that would like out of context that we were saying, because we have to, toward that type of conversation, you need to build, you know, from casual like experience, exchange, all of these things. And then, you know, you sort of like back and forth with, with what you see about the world. And then until the person starts sharing their personal story. So someone would cut a portion of that clip just because they feel like it is good for their their their, their page or controversial or anything. They would just cut that and, and post it to social media. And these things really scare off many guests who was on my show as well. Like they was afraid that might happen. And I have to make sure that that doesn't happen. And and it's it's one of the things that I feel like that is why so many people not like afraid to share their personal stuff and also afraid to share the experience because I respect anyone experience. There's no right or wrong to it. It's what they've been through. You cannot judge anybody's experience. It's already happened and they either learn from it or not. It's up to them, but you cannot judge that, right? So I need to lay that out on the table when the guest is on. Like I'm not here to judge you or anything, but I just want you to share your experience whether people will accept it or not it's fine it's just that what you've been through means a lot to me as well as a host to listen to right so that's that's one thing that i i need to make sure that whoever's on my show understand that and i think i've been doing a good job at 
laying out the foundation for them and also like kind of like help guide them sharing the story like because when when you like sometime in order for them to share the story you have to share yours so that is why some of the podcasts that I said that sounds like I talk a lot because the guests they didn't open up that much so I have to start opening up my own self first like say for for us too if I didn't start sharing my own story you would not be able to share yours as well it's good go both way right I cannot have a guest on and then just have them also what's your family situation like how's your kids like they were like whoa no don't want to talk about it but then when you talk about oh yeah my kids this day that 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 I since I became a father I have to go through this and then he's like oh yeah me too and then you know it start going on so that's how a podcast is it's not like like for, for example when you ask me a question you don't ask me oh how is it feel like when you have a guest that you don't know before no you don't do that you you elaborate what i said and also i understand what you you you're trying to trying to get out from me as well and that make me comfortable answering that question because i don't think i would say which episode i like most in a question but i can share that oh which episode i learned from most like earlier i said right yeah. like like that like, like you know having a friends who you so close to but then they start sharing things that you don't know that's that's a big deal i just and also quick note on that too it's you know even like you were saying one of the biggest things as being a, a podcaster and content creator like you were saying is to better understand people and to you know to 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 just like better understand concepts and ideas and thoughts and everything like that but it's also what you want to learn personally and you know like that question for example you know for me there are definitely times where when people come onto the show I, heck i'm nervous i don't know you know because we may have just met or and think i'm you know i think of ways of how to maybe push out the nervousness of having a discussion with someone and thinking about how you know if it is a, a big ceo or someone like that and point of what i'm trying to say is you know is are there tools or there strategies or is there ways that you can be able to you know kind of push that nervousness out of the way or is there ways that you know you just get to a point where it starts coming naturally do you do you, do you build your brand up enough to be like you know maybe i you know come into this conversation because i am this like brand i you know i like this is what i want to do this is what i want to learn you know it's there's these different areas in which like at least in my mind it's like i feel like you get to a point where i'm overcome with the nervousness because you've built the brand to a certain way and you feel like very comfortable in the point where it's just a, a not, it's just a journey to be able to learn more and yeah so that's Yeah, yeah uh, I agree with what you said. I think right now I'm at the point where I think I build a brand where I I just know that people will know what I'm doing and also they would not questioning what like why they are on the show. Mm-hmm. But also like I do share the feeling of nervousness in the in the beginning when I start doing it. The only thing that I was mostly nervous about was not about asking people or hosting the show. It was more about my gear that I was using. like the failure the error the sounds all of these things because i i i am i am a perfectionist even though it's not perfect in other people's eyes but for me i have to do it my best and if that fails that's that's not i'm not going to be able to sleep properly and it happens a couple of time until one point i just have so many backup that it will not happen so i fix that so no more nervousness but the thing is that i'm trying to invite a us ambassador to the podcast now and he might be on so that's probably one of the biggest profile that I ever had and not just because he is an ambassador but I try to challenge myself can I talk to a person like that and how can he open up about his experience living in Cambodia and I want people to understand from a different perspective not he's not going to be on my show as an ambassador 
He's gonna be on my show as a person who work as an ambassador, sharing his experience about being an ambassador and probably like inspired the youngs to pursue a career in the government sector or whatsoever. Like that is the thing that important to me. So I I never get nervous about like having different status guests coming on, but more more likely related to production wise. That yeah, but because those those are the things that I prioritize more than being the host. So that's why I think. It's not about for me. Not having that nervousness really helps me growing faster, right? And also like be able to drive the show easier as well. I'm pretty sure. Like I wish I can relate it to the the feeling of being nervous, having somebody on and pressure to ask them or prepping yourself. Like I I think now, regardless whoever's on the podcast, I would treat them equally. Yeah. Because I don't want them to be on because they, like I said, you know, not because of their famous or because of the position, but I would ask them to be as humble as they can and then, like, you know, be relatable. You know, you don't want to like, like Joe Rogan, for example. He has so many like Hollywood star on, and they're like so normal. Yeah. Right. I was like, hey, I don't see them this way, you know. And that's what makes it so special, right? And he doesn't care. <laughs> so that that's that's the guy. Yeah, he doesn't care. Think also, like you said, it's more on the production side. Yeah. Like that's that's thinking about that you have everything in place because you know during the show you're not really you're that's like at the back of your mind. You're focused entirely on the guest. Yeah. But yeah, I think early on too, it's it's just putting yourself out there in the first place. And once you start early, it's like what are other people thinking? Maybe you know it's it's just the whole foundation of being a content creator. And you know you have to listen to your audience and be able to grow and develop you know your your style. And think about guests who you want to have on, and it's just a lot of things where you're trying to deal with the pressure, but at the same time, it's like when you're actually on the show talking to a person, it's it's just a human. It's another person. It's another person you want to learn from. And yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's 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 true. It's so true because I remember when uh, I have a couple of guests on, I start to ask myself like, wow, I get this person on my podcast, but they're like, no, 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 they just they just one of us. Yeah, but the thing is, like, you need to train your your yourself to think a certain way where you're not being disrespectful to them, but you just leveling it up to a point where you don't need to feel pressure of doing it. Because this is, I'm like, I don't know where I am right now with the podcast, but I just don't see myself stop doing it. But the thing is, I need to make sure that it's easier to do in like from one episode to the other because it's a lot of time consuming. But the way I'm doing it, like, it costs a lot of times. Yeah. So I need to make sure I minimize that, and because it's no revenue and all of these things, I cannot hire somebody to do it all the time for me. So that's also the challenge that I'm facing. But it's okay; it's a good challenge, in a way. Yeah. Well, you know, so far as we've had a really awesome conversation. Thank you again for your time. the 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 traditional The traditional closing question that we like to ask each of our guests is, "What's the greatest piece of advice that you've ever been given?" Ooh. I have to think about this though, because um, for me personally, I would just say like if you do anything at all, just be consistency, like be consistent and uh, be persistent with what you want to do. Don't do it out of excitement just because it make you happy for one day or two days. You need to make sure that you know you'll be able to do these things every day and everywhere. And like for me, when I make content, I don't treat it as thing that I love. It's a responsibility, you know. It's a job, and once you treat it into a certain level, that you need to make sure that you deliver it at your best, right? Be consistent, always deliver at your best, and don't expect too much in return. <laughs> Trust me, 
when you when you always expected yourself the outcome will always be disappointed so i always expected less more or less and it it's always been my secret ingredient of getting what i want because uh, the excitement can happens once you get something out of your expectation it's true if you expected 10 you got 10 what what to excite about if you expect 10 you get 20 that is something you'll be excited about so i always expected one always and it's not faking this saying this to sounds good but it's just how i am and it works out and it's always helped me like you know keep my chins up and doing what i love for the past nine years and if people come and ask me when i stop i don't know i'm gonna do it as long as i want and so yeah please stay consistent and love something just because do something not because of love or excitement but you know do it as a responsibility treat it as a job you know and just one more thing before closing out for our audience, where can our audience go to 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 find any of your content? It's it's. I think the best place is only my Facebook page because I post a lot of things out on there, like the Thought page, and YouTube also. I it's all the information is in one place. I don't want to push people to too many things. Facebook probably the like my main office there, like the, the how to say the mother platform of all my contents. And then, yeah, I got YouTube, TikTok, IG as well. But IG is more personal. I don't do branding on IG. I think, yeah, I get too much toxicity from branding on IG. It's just out of this world. Nah, I don't like it. So I just keep it personal. Yeah. So yeah, Facebook, you can check on my Facebook. And hopefully, uh, we'll have Dom and Max on my show soon. Well, we would, yeah, yeah we would love to. And It would be quite an interesting experience, eh? I'm going to be the one who's asking, eh? I'm excited. I really yeah. can't wait. I'm looking forward but, to it. 